Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 176th podcast on Common Sense and Ramblings in America. Today I'm going to read from my novel, The Anderson Family Saga. I'm going to read chapters 19 and 20. This will conclude the first part of the book. Um, it'll be a little while before I do some more um, podcasts for the rest of the book, because I still have to write those chapters. So, the first chapter is Grandpa Gordon is in charge. Grandpa Gordon landed at Nellis Air Force Base at 2300 Monday Friday night and was greeted by General Miller's assistant, Lieutenant James Mobisby. After they exchanged formal salutes, they both let their guards down some and exchanged a brief man hug. To an impartial observer, it was quite apparent that Grandpa Gordon and Lieutenant Mosby were doing their best to contain their grief. However, if that observer was able to get a little closer, he would see that they were failing miserably as tears appeared on both men's faces. Grandpa Gordon and Lieutenant Mosby finally shook it off and continued walking towards the command center. Lieutenant Mosley matter-of-factly commented, I am sorry for the latest of this process, but it is protocol. We need a commander at the base. All you need to do tonight before you can go home is sign a few papers, and then I will give you the general's keys to his office. Monday morning, we can go over your new duties as a commander of the 4525th Fighter Wings we uh, Weapons Wing. I was informed that you would retain your rank as colonel, as this is only a temporary assignment for you. You will also still continue with your command of the gunnery school though your second command can take care of the day-to-day -day duties. And as I was instructed to tell you at this time, Colonel Anderson. Grandpa Gordon signed the appropriate forms, giving a temporary command of the 4525th Fighter Weapons Unit, or wing, FWW. He then took the keys from under Mosby, shook his hand, and exchanged salutes one more time. Now that all formal business was taken care of, Grandpa Gordon was able to let his guard down some, and let his shoulders sag in an apparent display of near exhaustion. Lieutenant Mosby smiled knowingly. It has been a long day for you, and I am sure you are beat. Go home and spend some time with your family. Relax and enjoy your weekend. I will see you Monday. When Grandpa Gordon pulled into his driveway, the lights were out, all out in the house, so he calmly let himself in and disrobed in the living room. When he was down in his boxer shorts and t-shirt, he stealthily entered their bedroom and slipped into bed with his wife. He gently wrapped his arms around her slumbering form and immediately fell asleep. The next morning, he groggily woke up to see his wife sitting cross-legged with her arms crossed and a smirky scowl on her face. She was desperately trying to hide her delight of having her husband back, but to show feigned anger, but she failed miserably and broke out a big grin and started laughing. She immediately pounced on him and started kissing him. He held up his hand to protest, Honey, I haven't showered in two days and I smell like a bear. Claire replied with a devilish smile on her face, I know and it's driving me wild, so shut up and make love to your wife. She paused briefly. I know what you're going to say. Don't worry, the kids are next door with their neighbor's children, watching cartoons. And she ripped his t-shirt and boxer shorts off him. The weekend went by in a blur, and between making love to his insatiable wife and spending time at the local park with his children, Grandpa Gordon had never been happier. He also never felt closer to his son, Sam. For the first time, when he looked at him, he didn't feel any animosity towards him. He knew he'd never be as close to him as he was to his daughter. But finally, things were getting better as the pain became duller. Monday rolled around, and true to his word, Lieutenant Mosby was there waiting for Grandpa Gordon at his new office to greet him. Lieutenant Mosby spent the next few hours showing him around and answering all of his questions. Grandpa Gordon had to admit the lieutenant really didn't know his stuff. Lieutenant Mosby started off the morning by giving a brief overview of the wing. The 4525th Fighter Weapons Wing is the most diverse wing in the Air Force. It provides advanced realistic multi-domain training which focuses on ensuring dominance through the air. The 4525th, or FW, builds innovative leaders in tactics, training, and high-end warfighting 
to ensure that our worldwide combat air forces are prepared for tomorrow's victories while overseeing dynamic and challenging flight operations. The wing is comprised of the United States Air Force Weapons School, Grandpa's Gordon's Command, 4525 FWW Maintenance Group, 4525 FWW Operations Group, and USA Air Force Aerial Demonstration Squadron Thunderbirds, and USA Air Force Advanced Maintenance and Munitions Operations School, AMOS, and 14 USAF WS Squadrons. After Lieutenant Mosey finishes orientation, when Grandpa Gordon thanked him profusely. Grandpa Gordon then set to spend the rest of the day reviewing the monthly reports each unit produced to familiarize himself with all the minute the committee and Air Force Wing involves. He ordered a meatball sub from a sandwich shop and located at the base and ate as he poured through the reports and manuals. Tomorrow he would spend a day touring all the departments and taking, talking to all the senior officers to not only get to know them better, but to give them an update on the status of their general. When Grandpa Gordon's eyes started crossing, he went out and informed Lieutenant Mosby that he was going to leave a little early so he could visit the general at Southern Nevada Memorial Hospital. General Miller was still in the ICU, so Grandpa Gordon was only able to visit for a few minutes. When he arrived in the unit, he found that the general was receiving supplemental oxygen via nasal cannula. He also had several intravenous strips hanging from poles that were running into his veins. There were a myriad of monitors showing a bewildering array of jagged lines, and Grandpa Gordon had no idea what any of them meant, positioned around the head of the bed. There was a nurse in the room checking at the monitors and counting and timing the number of drips they were going into the general's arms. Poor General Miller, who was always an imposing individual, now looked frail and vulnerable. Grandpa Gordon saluted his old friend and boss when he entered the room. The only reply he received in return was a weak smile. When the nurse finished her calculations and taking notes, he looked up, introduced herself as Nurse Jackie, and asked him if he had any questions. Grandpa Gordon asked when the general could be expected to get out of the hospital. She said in a somber tone, There was no way of knowing for sure. It is mainly up to the patient. In the best case, we are looking at at least a week in the ICU and a couple more weeks in the step-down units. He is on two medications to help keep his heart rate and blood pressure stable, dopamine epinephrine. Once we get him off these medications, we'll have a better idea. If you're wondering about him going back to work, we are looking at several months, if at all. I know he's a general in command at the base at Nellis Air Force Base, which means he's a very stressful job. However, stress is the last thing he needs in his life. The general is very tired and needs his rest, so I'm going to ask, have to ask you to leave. The next day, when Grandpa Gordon made his rounds around the base, he informed the team leaders of the general status. He also mentioned that the doctors were not sure of the time when he would come back, so all they could do right now was to play the waiting game. He then reassured his commanders that he was not going to come in and shake things up and try to make points. He added that he respected the general too much for that, and besides that, it's now how he operates. He further added, I am simply here to keep things running as smoothly as possible while the general is convalescing. His junior command seemed to be reassured by his words. While the general was strong, he wasn't a young man any longer. As a result, it took him a full six months to recover from his heart attack. Finally, his doctors gave him the okay to go back to work. However, they told him, that he would enjoy a much longer and healthier life if he retired sooner rather than later. When the general resumed command, he was greeted by a large group of his junior command. The staff had decorated the command center with banners, balloons, and all sorts of celebratory material. The general seemed to take it in stride, though secretly pleased him quite a bit. When the celebration was over, the general pulled Grandpa Gordon aside and informed that he was going to retire at the end of this year. He said that he loved his job, but his life and family were more important to him. While my doctor said I was all right to work, they said that my stressful job would definitely shorten my life. I know that I originally had plans for you to command the 474th Tactical Fighter Wing when it was relocated here, 
Now I'm going to recommend you t as my full-time replacement instead. With your record, you are a sure thing for the promotion in a new position. Besides, I can't think of anyone that I would want more to replace me. Before you go, there was one more thing. I'm going to get those two kills put on your record. That was some kind of bullshit move on the command's part over there. You saved their bacon that day, and you deserve a lot better. From that time on, every spare moment that Grandpa Gord could spare from his unit, he was pulled over by the general to show them the ropes. By the end of the year, the general had imparted all of his vast knowledge and experience to him. If there was anything amiss by the general, it simply wasn't important. I want to add that no commander had ever been better prepared for a new position. General Miller was soon after resuming command of the 57th wing had reformed The 4525th Fighter Wings Weapons Wing had informed his senior command of his plans to retire at the end of the year. He also put in recommendation for his replacement, Colonel Gord Anderson. His immediate boss, a four-star general, wholeheartedly agreed with his recommendation. When the time comes, I will run it by the promotion board, the four-star said. When the retirement day for Brigadier General Frank Miller finally rolled around, the celebration for him was substantial. His beloved Thunderbirds would, of course, be performing for the finale. However, they would do so with it. one add-on. Grandpa Gordon would be flying with his old team. Over the last month, Grandpa Gordon had been working with his squadron to fine-tune the last portion of the show where he was worked in. It was highly unusual for them to perform in December, but it didn't. Wasn't, it isn't every day that the commander of the base retires. When the day finally came to an end and the Thunderbirds had landed in the tarmac, General Miller made his final speech and said his goodbyes. As legend was a legend was retiring, but an even bigger legend was replacing him. Yes, the promotion board has signed off on the promotion of Colonel Gordon Anderson to Brigadier General and command of not only the 4525th Fighter Wing, Weapons Wing, or FWW, but also the 474th Tactical Fighter Wing, TFW. That came as a total shock to not only the retired general, but to Grandpa Gordon as well. Note, on October 1969, the 4525th FWW would be replaced by the 57th Wing. At least he had a few weeks to get used to his new job before he had to take additional duties of the 474th wing. The new wing was slated to move on January the 20th, 1969.
I'm not going to regale you with all the minutiae of each one of these units, but it's in here where you can read, or it's also on my blog. In early 1968, the Air Force directed Grandpa Gordon to spend a small detachment of six F-11As, including 22 flight crew members and associated maintenance and support to Southeast Asia under the Compact Lancer program. They used the six F-428 TFS Harvester Reaper F-11As that were allocated to Commander Combat Lancer as Detachment 1 under the command of Colonel Ivan H. Deathman. On December 22nd, December 1969, a fatal F-11 accident occurred during a dive bombing mission in Nellis Range. LTC Tom Mack and Major Jim Anthony were killed when the left wing separated from the aircraft. The aircraft was too low to allow for a safe ejection. Following the accident, the morale was low. Seeing how the loss of the two F-11 were never determined, Grandpa Gordon had no choice but to ground the rest of the F-11A fleet until they could be fully inspected. He did his best to raise morale by putting numerous initiatives in place. One included, idea included, designing a mascot for the 474th. Um, I will, they went through a bunch of stuff to inspect it and everything like that, and um, there's more in-depth information that you can read as well. And I'm not going to read it, it's just too much. I won't bother the reader any further with the operations that the 474th fighter wing were involved in during the Vietnam War, suffice it to say. They played an integral role in several major operations during the latter part of the war. Those units transformed overseas were temporarily removed from Grandpa Gordon's command, though he was still privy to their comings and goings. Needless to say, he was instrumental in many of the changes that were made to improve the safety of his pilots and planes. After a while, the command in Vietnam stopped taking his calls. I researched the 57th and the 474th wings extensively for this book in order to keep my narrative as accurate as possible. However, there's a fine line between accuracy and sheer insanity. I actually got a headache reading these histories. It is if the Air Force is schizophrenic. Just look up one of the wings' histories in Wikipedia and you'll see what I mean. I am sure being in command of the these two wings must have driven Grandpa Gordon crazy. Eventually, all the F-11s, A's, were moved from the 414th wing and were replaced by a never-ending panoply of fighter jets, F-84Gs, F-86Hs, F-100Ds, F-4Ds, and F-16A-Bs. The wing was inactivated nine years after Grandpa Gordon retired as a two-star general. I want to wrap this chapter up with a brief history of the 57th wing. During Grandpa Gordon's tenure, the wing was designated as the 57th Tactical Training Wing. The year he retired was redesignated the 57th Fighter Weapons Wing. During Grandpa Gordon's command of the 57th Wing, the U.S. Air Force assigned the following F-105s, F-11s, T-39s, T-38s, F-5s, F-15s, and the A-1, A-10 fighter planes to it. I am included a little bit more in there, some information about the, the fighter wing as well. In 1975, thanks to his exemplary service and command, not only one but two pivotal air wings, Grandpa Gordon was given a second star. He was now a two-star general, or more commonly known as a major general. The last five years of his service went smoothly. He retired quietly with little fanfare in 1980, having served 34 years in the U.S. Air Force and an additional five years in the RCAF. He fought in three major wars with over 200 combat flights, with 15 official and two unofficial kills, posthumously made official making him the only fighter pilot that recorded kills in at least three wars. In the last three wars, he ended up with a drawer full of medals, which he never wore. 
Grandpa Gordon was respected and loved by all who served with him and for him. He, however, did not tell anyone he was retiring except for superiors. The only one who otherwise knew was his replacement, the lowly Lieutenant Mosby, who had quietly been riding his coattails. When Grandpa Gordon retired, Colonel Mosby was promoted to Brigadier General. There was no one who deserved that promotion more than him. While his career was less ostentatious than General Grandpa Gordon's, he had always been reliable, slow, and steady. He had always done his performed his job with quiet competence and efficiency. General Gordon did allow himself one small perk before he retired. One I am sure the reader will understand. On his last day, he made arrangements to fly one more time with his beloved Thunderbirds. They worked him in on the last couple of maneuvers of their afternoon practice run as a little official send-off. Since he had taken over command of the two wings, he had only found time to fly infrequently, maybe four or five times a month at most. He knew this would most likely be his last time flying a jet, so he was very appreciative of the opportunity to fly with the Thunderbirds. This flight was not a sure thing. The commanding officer of the Thunderbirds, the colonel, could have refused Grandpa Gordon's request, and even though he was a two-star general, there would have been nothing he could have done about it. One day, Grandpa Gordon was in command. The next, Mosby was in command. There were a lot of people who were pissed off by this quick transition. Family Quest's subordinates knew the day was coming, and they had been planning a big celebration, one even bigger than General Miller's, but they eventually got over their disappointment. That concludes my reading of Chapter 19. Chapter 20, What Now? Grandpa Gordon came home to a quiet home. Sorry, Grandpa Gordon arrived to a quiet home after a very eventful last day at the base. He had told his family that he did not want any fuss. He just wanted to go to a nice restaurant with them. Christine was engaged to a nice young airman from Nellis Air Force Base named Mark Spencer. Sam was dating his high school sweetheart, Tammy Walker, so there would be six of them going to dinner. Grandpa Gordon smiled himself with the thought of his family growing. Grandpa Gordon had heard of a lot of things about Ruth Chris Steakhouse, so they all decided that now was a great time to try it out. He knew it was going to cost him, but he only retired once. While eating their dinner, Grandpa Gordon brought up the subject about their family reunion in March. He asked if his children still wanted to be included in their plans. Christine spoke up first with the excuse that she had college finals and Sam Chiney with the excuse that his prom was coming up and there was a lot of school events that he did not want to miss out on this final year. Grandpa Gordon noted, nodded that he understood and he added, your mother and I are going to fly to Minneapolis this time so we can, she can save her vacation time for a trip to Europe. There's also something I want to discuss a little later with your mother and that is a question of her retirement. She has worked over 20 years at her job now and she is certainly eligible for retirement. But today is for fun subjects. I feel since, uh, since I took over and come in the Nellis Air Force Base in 1968, all I have been doing is work. Many of the times that I work right through the weekends. As a result of my many duties at the base, I have missed out in some of much of your lives, he said as he looked at his two children. I'd like to take advantage of this meal to make a new start. Over the years, your mother and I have done the best we could to participate in all of your activities. Grandpa Gordon looked over at his son and chuckled. You have been the hardest to keep up with. Your three letters have kept this family very busy. I know I missed a few of your games, but I read about them in the sports section of the local paper. As a matter of fact, I have all the clippings saved in a box. I'm hoping now that I will have time to finally get organized and put them in a notebook or all in a notebook or two. Sam looked up at his father with a tear forming in his right eye and stammered, I had no idea you were doing that. Grandpa looked at his children unabashedly. I admit that I haven't always been the best father to either of you, but my love for both of you has never wavered. I know life always hasn't dealt us a good hand. 
but I have learned one thing, and that is the Andersons have never been too good to, or too proud to admit that they have been wrong or made mistakes. Grandpa Gordon laughed, added laughingly. I am also going to take this opportunity to apologize for making this conversation so serious. One thing I've learned is that you have to take advantage of every opportunity in life to do the right thing. I better stop talking, he says. You look kindly at Sam, or my eyes will start tearing up. Mama Clara chimed in. Let's make a toast to the Anderson family, past and present. And they all clinked their glasses together. Everybody enjoyed their meals, and the food was excellent. Grandpa Gordon could really get used to these steaks. Then Ethelene put out his own grilled steaks to shame, and the final bill was handed to him. He just about stroked out. Without the tip, the bill was $310. After Grandpa Gordon remortgaged his house to pay the bill, they all went home. Since Christine no longer lived at home, her fiancé dropped her off at her apartment, which she shared with a girlfriend. Sam, who had just got his driver's license, took the Buick to drive his girlfriend, Tammy, home. Not being particularly tired, Grandpa Gordon and Clara sat down in the room to relax and spend some quiet time together. Clara had kicked off her shoes and sat with her legs pulled underneath her. Her legs had always been one of her strong points. Now they looked particularly inviting to Grandpa Gordon. The top two buttons of her dress were also undone and hinted of an ample bosom. Grandpa Gordon had to admit Clara still rung his bell. It was all they could do to keep his hands off her. As Grandpa Gordon's mind raced, Clara looked at him from across the living room and smiled at him, knowing full well that he had been checking her out. She gave him a wink, stood up, and motioned him to follow her. The next day, they were holding each other in bed as they made tender love to each other. They were no longer inexperienced newlyweds. They knew what, they, what worked and what each one liked, so lovemaking was unhurried and highly satisfying. When their desires were satisfied, they fell asleep in each other's arms. The next day, Grandpa Gordon let Clara sleep as he made breakfast for her. He had to admit it had been a long while since he had cooked any food, so he was a little rusty. Considering he only ruined a couple of eggs, he thought he was doing pretty good. Finally, he had the food all ready to bring into the bedroom. The food was almost suddenly cold, and the toast was a little dark, but all told, he thought he had did pretty well. Of course, Clara had been awake for the time for quite some time. Who could sleep with all the noise her hubby was making in the kitchen? He was trying to be stealthy, but the stillness was broken by his swearing. The expletives that poured out of Grandpa Gordon were priceless. It would have made a sailor blush when he dropped and broke the eggs on the floor. It was all Clara could do to not ruin the moment by bursting out laughing. She had to stuff the pillow in her mouth to muffle the noise. When he finally finished and opened the bedroom door, she managed to hide her merriment by stretching out languidly with a sleepy smile as if she had just woken up. Grandpa Gordon said with a big smile on his face, I had made breakfast for you. Clara brightly smiled. You didn't have to do that, but it looked scrumptious. After she choked down the horrid meal, smiling all the while, Clara asked, what did he have in mind for the rest of the day? Well, I kind of would like to pick up where we left off last night, Grandpa Gordon mirrored. Grandpa Gordon proposed, I am sure you know that I am talking about you retiring so that we can do some traveling. As long as there's an air base near where we want to visit, the travel is basically free. What is more, there are bases all around the world. We are both still young enough to explore and see the places we have talked about visiting. Our children are all grown up now. Christine is wrapping her college up and Sam has a full athletic scholarship to several colleges out west. So his future is assured. You have raised two great kids with little help from me. It is now time for you to enjoy life. No, for us to enjoy life. Claire looked at her husband and exclaimed, Okay, I will retire at the end of the year. We will go to the family reunion in March and then we will get Sam situated with school. At the end of this year, It'll make 25 years that I have been at my job, so I will mean a little something extra in my pension check. Besides, there are places in the surrounding states we never had time to see before either. 
In March, Grandpa Gordon and Clara flew to Minneapolis for the family reunion. They only stayed a few days. However, the celebration was subdued was subdued because his oldest brother was not feeling well, and there was a deep concern in the family that he was hiding the truth about his health. A few months later, the truth came out that James had been keeping his healthy secret when he passed away. There were no further unions after his death because he had been the driving force behind them. I will cover Sam's life more in depth in the second part of this book entitled Papa Sam, The Next Generation. Needless to say, his career path is all set before his mother retires. Nothing can get in the way of maternal instincts after all. I won't regale the reader with all the places that Grandpa Gordon traveled to during during their retirement. Needless to say, they weren't too many places they missed. The only continent they didn't visit was Antarctica. Neither one of them really enjoyed the cold, so they opted not going there. Eventually, the lure of the open roads and skies no longer enticed them, and they finally settled into their little house at Mountain Shadows. To stay busy, Grandpa Gordon gave speeches for various ceremonies and for graduating classes in the Air Force Base in Ellis. He also served as a consultant on various local news broadcasts. Clara mainly stayed busy babysitting her grandbabies. She had three grandchildren now. Her, grand her daughter, Christine, had two children, a son, Thomas Spencer, and a daughter, Julie Spencer. And Sam had one son so far named Peter Anderson. They had a good life together, and Grandpa Gordon and Sam finally worked out all their issues. I'll devote more time discussing these problems, but from Sam's perspective in the next section. It is with much sadness and heaviness of heart that I leave the story of Grandpa Gordon. While he was not perfect, he tried, truly tried his best. He was a loving husband and father, and he was loyal to a fault. As this chapter and Anderson family saga closes, I leave Carol, Clara, and Grandpa Gordon floating lazily in their backyard pool, enjoying a well-deserved respite. That concludes the first part of my first book on the Anderson family saga. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a work that I truly, truly found amazing, and I hope the second part will be as good as the first part. Thank you.